So, Father, that um, kind of seems like a weird song to sing for the offertory, and yet maybe it's exactly right. Because uh, without you, I can't live. I'm dead. It's suicide. And with you, like you, I'm asked to give and give and give myself away. It's, it's sacrifice. And so it seems I can't live. Lord God, uh, feels like we can't live. And yet you say that you are the life. And so, Father, may we surrender our lives to you, the life. In Jesus' name, may we preach, may we believe, and may we worship. Amen. Hey, uh, this morning's message uh, is really the second part of last week's message. And so if you weren't here last week or didn't hear the message last week, I encourage you to go online and uh, listen to it, watch it, and that will help you understand this week's message. In John chapter 12, Mary of Bethany dumped something like $50,000, dollars $70,000 worth of perfume upon the feet of Jesus. Uh, she sees the Savior, worships the Savior, dumps the perfume on his feet. When we worship, the fragrance fills the house and changes the world. We are the aroma of Christ unto God among those who are perishing, among those who are being saved. And then Paul says, who's sufficient for these things? Well, certainly not us, but the aroma. Mary worships the Savior and gives her life. Judas wants to be the Savior. And so he takes the Savior's life. And then he takes his own life. Mary gives extravagantly, freely, and without limit, and it seems to me that she's happy. Judas is miserable, but I think Mary is happy. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Luke records that Jesus said, it is more blessed, makarios, also translated happy, it is more happy to give than receive. This is a time of the year, you, you know, when we talk about the joy of giving. It's Christmas. And uh, of course, we're working on the church budget this time of year. And as always, it's time to offer your sacrifices of praise. It's time to worship. And so in December, preachers everywhere encourage you to give so that you can be happy. Give in order to be happy. And that kind of makes me grumpy. It's the hap happiest time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. Well, if that's true, how come the suicide rate is higher in December than any other month of the year? And have you been shopping? Did it make you happy? 
And there's less to go around this year, right? And you've got to divide it between all the kids and you have to give to friends, relatives, co-workers. And so you're calculating, what did they give me last year? So I know just what to give them this year in order to get maybe, ooh, a bonus or a raise next year. And then you think to yourself, I know it, you deny it, but I know it. You think to yourself, gosh, I can't wait till the holidays are over. The hap happiest time of the year. It's Christmas, and we're at church. And if I'm honest, most of the sorrow in my life has come from giving my life at church. You know, church is family. So I bet most of the sorrow and the pain in your life has come from giving your life to family, to church. Give my heart and it's not received. And if it's received, I brace myself for rejection. And it is rejection for it never seems to, 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 be, to be enough. And then because I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to make giving fulfilling for everybody. I'm supposed to make it happy for everybody. I'm supposed to make church work for everybody. And that makes me grumpy and sad. Actually, giving hurts. Mary gave a year's wage that hurt. I have found that if I give a thousand dollars, I usually have a thousand dollars less. And that's why it's called giving. Uh, Paul writes, people depraved in mind and deprived of truth imagine that godliness is a means of gain. And it is gain with contentment, he says, but you see, it's not an investment strategy. Mary gave and it was a sacrifice. That means it was a loss, a sacrifice. Passover, death, worship, fragrance. John 12 is a picture of sacrifice in the house of the Lord. Sacrifice hurts. And Jesus is the premier sacrifice. He is the Passover lamb, and yet he also fulfills all the sacrifices in the temple of his body. Jesus fulfills all the sacrifices, but, but that doesn't mean that there are no more sacrifices, for in fact, Jesus fulfills the sacrifices in us. We are his body. Romans 12:1. We are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. So we don't sacrifice animals, but we do sacrifice ourselves. You know, we tend to think that that old stone temple was some sort of primitive anthropological uh, anomaly, but in fact, it's like the blueprint for our lives because now we are the temple. In Mary's day, worship in the temple consisted of sacrifice. A sacrifice is a surrendered life, plant life or, or animal life, bread and wine or, or a lamb. You know, American evangelicals tend to think that sacrifices are only for taking away sin, and that is part of it. The sin offering carried sin, and so the body of the sin offering was disposed of outside the city where Christ was crucified. However, the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb was eaten in the city 
Other sacrifices were eaten as communion in the temple, and thus the sacrificial broken body became the very body of the worshipers. The burnt offering, like the daily lambs in the temple, one in the morning and one at night, like Noah's offering, like Abraham's offering, the burnt offering, the Ola in, in Hebrew, it was entirely burnt up on the altar. Ola, it appears to mean uh, to go up. It would go up before the curtain covering the Holy of Holies. But the blood of all the offerings was thrown on the altar, on the people, even behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. It, it like went everywhere, uh, the blood. And scripture says the life is in the blood. It's all fascinating but far too complicated to explain here. We're actually anywhere because it is the judgments of God. We can't explain it, but we can get the picture. When an Israelite worshiped, actually really kind of when any primitive person worshiped, because you see sacrifice is almost like this universal impulse. Scripture's problem with sacrifice is not um, sacrifice, but who we sacrifice to. And so the evil one tries to distort it and use it on other things. And so if that's your past, I, I, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. But when an Israelite worshipped, he would uh, get, an, get an animal and, and he would come to the, to the sanctuary, to the temple. Now... I got this chicken at Safeway, okay? But normally, like an Israelite, when he went to worship, he would have brought his own chicken. It would be a live chicken. He would bring it into the temple, and he would present it to the priest. And the, and the priest, uh, and this could be for a variety of occasions, but, but the priest would then have the worshiper lay his hand upon the bird or the sacrifice, whatever, uh, symbolizing his connection uh, to that sacrifice. I think it's called a samak or something like that, right, Allison? Yeah, he, he, would, he would do that, and uh, then he would um, take the sacrifice up, up to the altar, and he would... Uh, Take, he would take uh, the, the machaira, which was like this uh, sacrificial knife, and uh, he would slaughter the animal, and he would bleed the animal, throwing the blood around with, with the machaira. And hey, check this out. Scripture says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged machaira, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Well, anyway, the priest would take the machaira and he would, he would begin to cut up uh, the offering into all these parts, and then he'd lay the parts out on the altar. Now, sometimes he laid some of the parts on on the altar, like in the Passover sacrifice, the, the kidneys and the fat. In, in the Ola, it was all of the sacrifice laid out uh, on, the, on the altar. It's kind of feel like, they were kind of like Julia Childs, woo! He, he'd he'd uh, cut it into, into pieces with the, with the machaira, lay it out on the altar, and, and then, and then, the Ionios fire. 
the uh, fire of the age, the eternal fire, the consuming fire that came from God and was somehow God would uh, consume the sacrifices, would receive the sacrifices, and the fragrance would fill the house. The house would be filled with that aroma pleasing unto God. Well, Mary saw the sacrifice of Christ and sacrificed herself. I don't know about you, but sacrifice looks pretty painful to me. And yet Mary was consumed in ecstasy. Ecstasis, out of normal, out of self, out of her own life. Mary lost herself. In the words of J.R. Tolkien, she went out to regions where pain and delight flow together and tears are the very wine of blessedness. In the words of King David, Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up unto the house of the Lord. And he also wrote this, one thing I desire that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mother Teresa, when she went to Washington, D.C., a reporter asked her, what do you hope to accomplish in the slums, in the gutters of Washington, D.C.? this was her answer, the joy of loving and being loved. The joy of loving and being loved. And then the reporter said, well, that takes a lot of money. And she said, no, it takes sacrifice. Joy and sacrifice. What do Mother Teresa, King David, and Mary know that I don't know? Or I don't know well. And one other curtain, one other uh, question. Uh, all those sacrifices going up be, before the curtain, where do they go? What does God do with all those broken pieces? What's on the other side of that curtain? John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, that's a year's wage, and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it or she has kept it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. In Mark's gospel, he says it this way. You get to give to the poor. You get to give to the poor anytime you want. He says it like giving is happiness. Next verse. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. 
Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. You get that? They try to kill Lazarus. Because <laughs> Jesus raised him from the dead. That's funny. The religious leaders and Judas. Tragically hilarious. The religious leaders and Judas take life. They take life like Eve took fruit from that tree in the middle of the garden. They take life and they're dead. Mary surrenders her life and she lives in ecstasy. Judas takes, Mary gives. Judas seizes control, Mary surrenders control. Judas works and Mary worships. Judas keeps his life and is miserable. Mary loses her life in ecstasy. Judas takes his life. He, he commits suicide. And Mary gives her life. She's a living sacrifice. Suicide or sacrifice. We must choose one or the other. We must take our life or give our life. Mary gave and the pain was consumed in joy. What did Mary know? How did Mary give? Why is she happy? Well, here are a few ideas. Number one, she gave what she had. Judas wanted to give what he did not have and what was not his to give. What do you have? Bottle of perfume, five loaves and two fish, Maybe a penny, doesn't matter. See, I don't have to preach like Billy Graham. I don't have to be the best preacher in the world. I just have to give what I have. Number two, she gave what she had and she gave all she had, not just perfume, but tears. And her hair and her very self thrown at the feet of Jesus. You are the sacrifice. And so give your laughter and give your tears. Give your fullness and give your emptiness. Give your health and give your wounds. At the tomb, Mary had given her wounds. The loss of her brother, her disappointment in Jesus, her sorrow. You know, it's tempting to guard the wounds, to guard that part. It's tempting to guard the wounds, but Mary gave the wound. A body is joined at the wound. Mary gave what she had, she gave all she had, and she knew that she really had nothing. Her very life was a stewardship. She had witnessed Jesus raise her brother from the dead and heard him say, I am the resurrection and the life. And so you see, she knew that her life was not her own. Judas thought that his life was his own. He was a thief. Number four, Mary gave to one person. Judas said he wanted to give to many persons, to the poor, and so his gift would be divided. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor, a father, a, a husband, a son, and I just go crazy trying to divide myself between all these different people and all these different needs. But what if I could give my life to just one person? 
Mary gave what she had, she gave all she had to just one person. She worshiped one person. What if I could worship that one person in several different places? Then I wouldn't have to ask, well, what does Susan want and what does Jonathan want and what does Elizabeth want and oh yeah, what does Francis want? What does Justin want? What do those people want? I could just ask, what do you want, Jesus? In all these different places. Number five, Mary gave without concern for what she got. You know, exchanging gifts with adults can be a real drag, can't it? Let's just admit it. Ah, it's what a pain. However, giving gifts to toddlers on Christmas morning, there is nothing more fun than that. When my kids were three, four, five years old, they really had no illusions uh, about the idea that they, that they earned anything. I mean, everything in their world was grace, everything. And my gifts, any gifts, Hot Wheels, plastic, toys, whatever, I mean, any gift, every gift just rocked their world, shaking with joy. And I knew this, I knew that I wouldn't be repaid, but, but that my gift would be received. And so you see, my giving was its own gift. Giving to toddlers is its own reward. Mary just dumped all that perfume on Jesus, knowing that she wouldn't be repaid, or that she already was repaid with Jesus, the person of Jesus. She knew Jesus, and so worship was its own reward. From Mark and Matthew, we know that this gift rocked Jesus' world. It rocked his world. I mean, you know, he said, unless you're like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven, and he seemed to always be going there. Maybe that's what he's like. Well, anyway, he called this gift beautiful. He declared it epic and said that she had anointed him for his burial. Judas, on the other hand, he, well, he knew about Jesus. Judas wanted Jesus' attributes. So when Jesus talked of death, Judas gave him up. Why? Well, dead things don't have many attributes. Judas knew about Jesus. And Mary knew Jesus. And so she worshiped Jesus for who he is, who he was, who he is. When you worship Jesus Christ and him crucified, you worship him for who he is. Naked, bleeding, absolute love. You know, all the world will show up when he's passing out his gifts and his miracles and his signs, but Mary shows up, his bride, his mother, the, the, she shows up when he's hanging on a cross and she anoints him for his burial. She loves him when he's good for nothing, just good. So her worship is its own reward. O. Henry, the famous American novelist, O. Henry, he wrote this um, short story years ago about a young couple in love. Jim, whose gold watch was his prized possession, and Della, whose beautiful long hair was her very glory. On Christmas Eve, Della shaved her head, sold her hair, in order to buy Jim a platinum cover for his watch. Meanwhile, Jim sold his watch in order to buy Della a jewel-encrusted mother-of-pearl comb for her hair. And that night, they exchanged their gifts. And they were happy. 
<laughs> oh, Henry titled this short story, The Gift of the Magi. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because what did those wise men, what did those stupid wise men give the baby boy? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> What's a baby do with that? I don't know. But they were all happy. Well, Mary gave without thought of gain. Think about it. If you give in order to get, it's not giving. It's called buying. If you give in order to get, it's not sacrifice. It's not worship. So think about it. Happy are those who give. But if you give in order to be happy, you're not giving, and thus, you're not happy. So happy are those who give without thought of their own happiness. Happy is Mary who gave thinking of Jesus' happiness. Happy are those who sacrifice because the aroma is pleasing to God. Mary gave without thought of gain, and yet Mary knew Jesus would receive everything given, and maybe this is the most painful part about giving in this world. You give and you give and you give and you give yourself away and the world says, so? So what? They can't receive your gift for they don't see your heart. Maybe that's happened to you here at the sanctuary at church. Maybe at house church, maybe in your family, maybe when you're giving uh, to, the, to the offering, you give and no one sees your gift or receives your gift. Usually when I preach, I have this intense battle with shame on my hand. And I think that's because I usually try at least, I usually give my heart and then I feel naked and ashamed. And now listen closely, that's not your fault. You're great. It's my fault for I'm giving to the wrong person. When you give at this church, I hope you never, ever, ever give to me. And that's why I make it a point to never know what anyone puts in the offering plate, and that's why I get nervous thanking people for serving, doing odd jobs around the church, because if you think you're giving to me, you will end up hating me, <laughs> because I won't see your gift. I can't see your heart. You see, you're giving your gift to the wrong person person. Always, always, always give your gift to Jesus. And in that way, you can give to the most ungrateful, cantankerous people with joy. For you don't give to them. You give to Jesus in them. And then their very poverty and their very cantankerosity just amplifies the gift that Jesus says, thank you for giving to me in my temple of the last and the least of these. Well, we sacrifice to Jesus for he's already been sacrificed for us. We give to Jesus for he's already given everything to us. We wash Jesus' feet for he's already washed our feet. John chapter 13, next chapter. Didi Rinke, I don't know if Didi's here. Didi's our new uh, business manager at, at church. That means she's in charge of the money bag. 
And she's also uh, an old friend. Uh, she and her husband, Mark, we'd been in a small group for, for years. Well, um, last week, after we talked about John 12 and staff, Didi called me and she said, Peter, I don't know, but I think I'm supposed to tell you a story. Remember when things were really, really hard for me and Mark? And... Uh, he was losing the business, and I was always upset about money, and I was always, always mad. Well, well, one day in prayer, Jesus told me, he told me that I should wash Mark's feet, and I didn't want to. <laughs> Killed me. She didn't want to, but she wanted to for Jesus. She'd seen the sacrifice of Jesus, the Jesus that lived in the temple named Mark, whom she was married to. So when he got home, Didi said, I, I told him the story and what I'd heard, and, and I made him sit down. He didn't want to. You see, for Mark, it was also a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for Mark, and it was a sacrifice for Didi, but it was a sacrifice given to and for Jesus. You see, that's called the obedience of faith. When we do something we don't want to do because we want to do it for Jesus, the obedience of faith. Peter, I told Mark to sit down and submit. I told him to submit to Jesus. And then she said, I, I started washing his feet. And it was like something happened. I lost control. I let down my hair and I started washing his feet with my hair. I, 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 I lost control. Mark was crying and I was crying. It changed us and it saved our marriage. Two broken people became one flesh. Each sacrificed their life and started to live happy. What is happiness? What's joy? What's pleasure? I read in one of Philip Yancey's books that... Uh, there are no nerve endings that sense pleasure. However, there are nerve endings that sense heat, cold, pain, touch, but pleasure is not that simple. Pleasure is like a, a harmony, a coordination, a system, or, or, or a dance. It's what a body feels when each part gives and receives sacrificially. Not pain, but pleasure. Do you realize that right now, every part in your body is bleeding? Each part in your body constantly bleeds. One part into the next part, circulating life. Happiness is life. The scripture says the life is in the blood. And Jesus just told Mary, I am the life. Think about that. I am the life. That means anytime you use the phrase, my life, we are confessing that you're a thief of life, the life. 
And that is just what scripture tells us. In a garden long ago, every time we sin, we steal life from a tree. We steal life and cut ourselves off from the life and so now are dead. We steal happiness and cut ourselves off from the happiness and so now are sad. So what is, what is happiness? Is it something that you can reach out and grab and possess and take unto yourself? What if happiness isn't something I contain within myself, but something larger than myself? What if life isn't something that I can contain within myself, but something larger than myself? What what if I'm not to be a body unto myself, but part of a body bigger than myself? What if I'm not a body? But a body part, cut off. Well, then I might look alive, but really I'd be dead. What if this is life? I mean, like a, like a river all around me, life all around me, but this is my life, my flesh. I may think this is life, but if it's life cut off from life, it's, it's damned. I mean, literally, blocked, damned. It's death. It's a body of death, for it only feels its own pain, its own pleasure, and that, my friends, is not real pleasure. And so if I saved this life, I'd lose it, because <laughs> it's already dead. But if I lost this life for the sake of the life, I mean, if I was cut, like to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and if I communed with the life, and Jesus is the life, well, I might begin to live happy. I might sacrifice myself and experience the joy of the Lord. He said, I came that my joy might be in you, ecstasy. I'd be out of myself, lost. Enjoy. Paul writes, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And he writes, therefore present yourselves as living sacrifices. We sacrifice because he first sacrificed for us. He's the first fruit, scripture says, of the new creation. He's the head of the body. Seven years ago, my daughter had a vision and it's fascinating to me because she had the vision when she didn't want to see visions. They scared her. It was at church on Saturday night as people were coming forward for communion. She told me about it later. She said, Daddy, I watched people coming forward and then these like cutters swung out. That's what she called them, like knives, cutters, and they cut people into pieces. And then she said, I watched the pieces. They started hopping around and then uh, they would bump into each other like a hand would bump into an arm or a foot would bump into a leg and they would fuse. They would fuse together at the point that they were cut and they began to form bodies, but not many bodies. They began to form one enormous body that could not be hurt, that was not afraid, was happy. So, what is the church? 
the pastor, he, he says, uh, hey, all you people, let's gather at 5.30, um, 9 o'clock, 10.30 on Sunday morning, and, and then the other pastor, well, she says, come to the class on, on the body of Christ and how you fit into the body of Christ. Now you can join the body of Christ. And then, and then the other pastor, maybe I get up and I preach a sermon on, on the fact that, well, it's love that binds us all together. Love binds us all together in, in one. And I try, I really try. I mean, I try, I try to build uh, the body of Christ. I try to build the church, but this is the best I can do. <laughs> Franken chicken. A bloodless, lifeless, headless pile of body parts duct taped together. best I can do. Now, that's not bad. That's actually kind of important. And I can take classes in order to do it better. Classes on church growth, church management, how to duct tape a chicken, and all of that is helpful. I mean, it's important to get all the parts together in one place. Yet even if I do that, and I do it very well, it's still um, one very unhealthy chicken. Franken-chicken. Hey, do you remember Acts chapter 2, verse 3? They had all heard the word. They had all heard the word. They'd been to the cross, which is the judgment of God, which cut them to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, uh, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And now they were all together in one place, just as Jesus had, had told them. They waited there and they worshiped there where they presented themselves as a living sacrifice. Then Acts 2, verse 3, Pentecost, the fire fell from heaven and received the sacrifice, filled the sacrifice, filled the temple with the life and the glory of God and they worshiped they were the sanctuary body of Christ filled with the spirit of Christ life of Christ blood of Christ and they were happy and the joy of the Lord was their strength so let's just be clear this is what I can do and what we can do with our work. This, however, <laughs> is what God can do and what God does do when we worship, when we worship. He can make a healthy body. He can make a happy chicken. For what is this? Well, in this chicken, this is named uh, Diantha, by the way, uh, every part gives what it has, gives all it has, gives and receives blood that is life under the direction of one head, empowered by one heart. Amen. Every part in this chicken presents itself, not this chicken, but this chicken, presents itself as a living sacrifice. 
Yeah. Not one part comprehends and contains the life, but the life comprehends and contains each part. Amen? Body of Christ. And so, number seven, Mary surrendered her life to the life and so is happy. For on the night that the Passover lamb was delivered up, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat. Do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. You see, he spread it around. The sacrifice. Now I know Sacrifice is terrifying. And we wonder, what's on the other side of that curtain? Where do all the sacrifices go? What's on the other side of that broken body? What's on the other side of that tree, the cross? What's on the other side of the altar? Answer? every chicken that ever lived, <laughs> every lamb, every goat, every bull that was ever sacrificed, my dad, every broken relationship, First Presbyterian Church in Littleton, Colorado, Bel Air Presbyterian Church, Lookout Mountain Community Church, everything that I have been asked to sacrifice in this life. My life is on the other side of that cross. Your life is on the other side of that curtain. The new creation, which is the old creation, filled with the fiery life and glory of God and the Passover lamb. For this is the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, making peace by the blood of his cross. The Passover lamb risen from the dead and John saw it. He saw it and he heard it. Revelation 5, 13. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is within them worshiping the lamb standing on the throne. I am literally dying to get there. And yet you see, there is here. Whenever we worship in spirit and in truth. And so if you would, 
Just pray with me. Don't pray this if you don't agree with it. But if you do, would you pray it with me out loud? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your sacrifice of love. And in Jesus' name, I present myself to you a living sacrifice. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your fire. Fill me with your spirit. Baptize us in your spirit. For we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So come to the table, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice. They are both the life. Jesus said, this is my blood, and the life is in the blood. Come to the table. Present yourself and worship. So close your eyes and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? You know, at the end of the day, uh, isn't it that curtain in the Holy of Holies? Isn't it that tree, Eve? Isn't it that cross, Mary? Isn't it that altar? Hey, what if the thing that scared you the most, that you were most afraid of, turned out to be the very thing that you were longing for most in the depths of your being? Wow. That would have been one heck of a lie that you would believe then, wouldn't it? And finding out that the thing you scared most was the doorway to the thing you desire most, that would be like good news. And you see what that thing is? That thing is death. And it looks like we're all going to have to die in some form or another. And the evil one is wanting you to be terrified of that. Why? So that you'll hang on to your life. That's suicide. Every day he wants you to commit suicide in a million little ways. And Judas did commit suicide. He hung himself in the potter's field in the valley of Gehenna. And I believe he descended into Hades. But you know, I have hope for old Judas because Jesus loved him. And with his blood, he purchased the potter's field. Read the Gospel of Matthew, you'll find that out in the valley of Gehenna. But you don't want to go there at all. So don't hide your life from God. Don't take your life under yourself. Sacrifice your life every day. It's called love. And for the people around you, um, uh, worship Jesus in the people around you. Sacrifice your life. And see, your soul must sing. Your soul must sing every day. For when your soul sings every day and in every moment, you're home. You know, when one person sacrifices in this world of ours, it looks like a cross. When two people sacrifice, it's called a marriage. And sometimes they even produce fruit.
When everybody sacrifices, you're home. And that's your deepest desire, to be home. With your Lord, with Jesus the Christ, in the arms of your Father. And so may you believe the gospel and may your soul sing every day in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.